Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York Football Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. March Madness is already getting crazy, and whenever I need to place a bet, I had to betonline.ag to do it. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action needs. The NBA is in full swing, and college basketball is heating up. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Challenge, and BetOnline is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Believe in New York Football Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to anyone listening on all of those podcast platforms. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. We have a full show for you guys today. A lot is going on with the Giants in terms of cuts, press conferences, and franchise tags. And we're going to have ourselves a clapback sports crossover. As the mage is going to join me here in just a few minutes to break down everything Big Blue. We're also going to have ourselves later in the show our first New York football podcast mock draft of the season. As we are going to do an AFC East mock draft. It's just going to be AFC East teams. But we're going to map out the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Pats. And what they will do when they're on the clock. Pat DiMartino, Bill Campy, and the new face Connor Flynn will join the show and help me break down those picks. So let's get right into it with the most recent Giants news. Here he is, the mage. All right, now I have the great pleasure of welcoming on the lovely... The marvelous Mr. Mage. Mage, it's been a while since you've been on here. Every week, people could hear us on Clapback Sports. Follow us at Clapback underscore sports. Tune in. We'll be recording sometime this week. They could hear us there, but now they could hear you here. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, and you always give me a very nice intro, so I really do appreciate that. It's a much different tone on the New York Football Podcast and is on Clapback, where we're just yelling and swearing at one another for an hour long, so... I really do appreciate the change of tempo here. Yeah, no, it, you know, we try to act like friends when we're on this show. Although on Clapback, we don't always act like friends. We are. It's hard to believe, but we love each other. Uh, and there we talk a lot of Giants, and that's why I thought this was the perfect time to have you on here and make an appearance to help me talk Giants. Because honestly, Mesh, I need help to make sense of all the craziness that's going on lately. Everyone's losing their minds over back over uh, backup tight ends, uh, franchise tags, 
Dave Gettleman speaking on the mic. There, there was a lot going on today, and everyone loses their shit on everyone. Kim Jones is getting ran out of town. I mean, no one is safe anymore. And so I needed someone on here to kind of sort through the weeds. And I guess I'll start with Leonard Williams and his franchise tag. Um, today was the deadline, right? It was 4 o'clock. They didn't, they didn't change it. I know there was rumors to have changed it. Today was the deadline, correct? Yeah, so today was the deadline for the franchise tag. Uh, they were suspecting that might get pushed back depending upon when the salary cap numbers would get released uh we didn't see any pushback so there were a lot of moves made today around that so there was i think i I was gonna say some that directly affect us in like kenny galladay uh you know godwin we're looking for a receiver we didn't think godwin would happen but you know receivers are getting tagged running backs were not getting tagged defensive players not getting tagged some notable ones dupree um no really yeah yeah. And Levante David didn't get tagged, but then he got signed. So you'll see a couple of those things happen. Uh, Shaq Barrett, though, uh, you're right. So there was a lot of craziness going on. Allen Robinson did get tagged. So that was important yeah. to us. So, and it all kind of happened right away. I mean, one after the other over the last. Uh, Malcolm Butler got released, which is interesting because ties to Joe Judge there. So um, I don't think he ever really necessarily fulfilled his status as a Super Bowl MVP. So he could be a cheap option if the Giants are looking for cornerback help as well. Similar to a Logan Ryan. But, yeah, so all this franchise tag craziness was going on today. Um, even with the DAC contract, rolling back to the DAC contract, people thought he was going to get tagged because of the deadline. He ended up with a deal. Again, directly impacts the division. But, really, the Giants remotely are the ones involved here with Leonard Williams, um, directly involved with Leonard Williams. Yeah, what's up? Can I just say something real quick about that DAC contract? Yeah. It's crazy because I, I know that it's been included in the past. I, I think Breeze has had a contract maybe similar with a void year. But if you haven't looked at Dak's contract recently, they include two void years in it, which is unbelievable because it's a four-year deal for 160 with I think it was $66 million guaranteed at signing. But that is spread out over five years, that bonus. So they allow it allows them to pay Dak only twenty two million this year, and it goes up to like thirty seven and then forty four and then forty two, but then in that fifth year when Dak's no longer on the books, he's still getting uh, thirteen million dollars because of that void year, and they added a sixth void year just to build into the contract. So that this way, if they wanted to restructure Dak to lower his uh, cap number. in the future, they can do that with that extra voided year. Oh, I, I'm telling you, it. it I haven't seen it a whole lot, but I've been super intrigued since seeing the DAC contract because we see it in baseball all the time with deferred money, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Max Scherzer, Strasburg, the Washington Nationals are infamous for doing this. So they'll sign, you know, a player to seven years and pay him over 13. In football, you can't really do that because it's a hard cap. But it's really interesting to see the two additional void years in there, though. So. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. They're going to be paying Dak when he's not on the roster, but I, I think it's it's it was really creative. I didn't know you were going to go that route with it because I was more on the side of that, you know, the cap is just jumping up, you know, climbing, climbing, climbing. And really Dallas shot themselves in the foot because last year the whole thing is the guarantee money would have been less and they probably would have saved 10 mil a year. I mean, obviously now they're spreading it out, but he's really getting annually 40. He probably could have got 30 last year. And yeah, they're paying up. They're paying a pretty betty for Dak. I had said, though, I, I thought, you know, he's a franchise quarterback, at least of the Dallas Cowboys. He deserved the money. Um, you know, 
people stand on both sides of that. I thought he was worth it. I mean, look, the numbers are just getting crazy. So it's hard to justify it. Um, is he exactly worth that? No, but it's like Watson's getting more than Russell Wilson and no one was getting more than Watson other than Mahomes who just got that. So it's like a lot of this quarterback money never makes any sense really. So like, I, I don't know. And then you look at Goff's contract, they, quarterbacks get paid. And I thought Dak was one of those quarterbacks that deserved to get paid. But so to Leonard Williams, I have you on because I need to figure out what exactly, and this is more for the people too, because I've now talked to you off air. So I kind of have a better understanding of it. But the word placeholder is being thrown around a lot with Leonard Williams. They are franchise tagging Leonard Williams for as a placeholder, but the franchise tag is at $19 million, uh, $19 million and they're hoping to restructure it um, or make a deal and then like restructure things from there. Um, you're on to help me figure out when they come to a deal, if they come to a deal, what happens? <laughs> Does he make $19 million this year? Does it get spread out? Does, do things change? Is it going to be backloaded? Gettleman had a press conference today saying he doesn't necessarily want to backload contracts, but he acknowledges the Leonard Williams situation and that he can't necessarily make $19 million this year. So make it make sense. What the hell is about to happen? And does a deal help us? Hold on one second. I have to get my abacus out. So, <laughs> All right. So here's... Really, March 17th is the beginning of the league year. Everything has to be finalized before the beginning of the league year. All right. So as of today, this was the um, tag deadline. So they placed the tag deadline on Leonard Williams, which is going to pay him $19.4 million this season if they don't work out a long-term deal. Okay. They still have another eight days to negotiate a long-term deal with Leonard Williams, which would be the start of the league year, the 17th. Today is now the 9th. So they have eight days to work out a long-term deal. If they are able to work out a long-term deal with Leonard Williams, they can then rescind the tag. They, they won't be able to place it on anybody else, but they can rescind the tag and sign them to a long-term deal. So, to your other question is, what does he get paid this year? If no long-term deal is worked out, he will, unless they rescind it, because they can still rescind the tag, and then just let him test free agency, which I don't think they'll do. You're saying right but now he could, they could still rescind the tag, even though they gave it to him? Yes, yes. Without a deal. Okay. Yes. But then they still can't use it. Got it. Right. So, today was the deadline to tag anybody, but they still have eight days to rescind it. Um... So now what they can do, they can work out a long-term deal. Well, how does that help the Giants? Well, right now he's currently expected to pay uh, play on the tag, which is 19.4. They could work out a long-term deal where they say, hey, Leo, we're going to pay you, you know, four years, $80 million, and your signing bonus is going to be $60 million. Let's go with the DAC theory, right? <laughs> they, they had an employee of the year and give them that spread out the uh, uh, extra bonus, which would be $12 million a year. So technically, he could, in theory, sign for a salary for tw uh, 2021, where he's only getting $2 million in base, plus the signing bonus, which would be $14 million salary that would count against this year's cap. Then $8 million next year, plus the 12 mil signing bonus, he'd be earning $20 million in 2022. Same thing in 2023. 8 plus 12, he'd be, get the 20. Then again, you can have a down year in which he would get in 2 plus the 12, and then he'd be earning 14 in his last year. But then again, you got the void year in which he would be making 
12 million dollars and not be on the roster or you could just spread it out where it would be 15 15 15 and 15 but now you got to try to get him to say hey let's get you to play at a minimum vet this year try to keep it under 16 man they would save the 3.4 versus what they would pay him versus the tag and then they can increase exponentially for the next two years or even it out like you said with Gettleman. so that makes sense i mean and I heard it before you came on, so so it helps because <laughs> I was able to follow it a lot more. Um, but, yeah, so the thing is, though, obviously with that, they still have a lot of work to be done because they have to save a lot of money. And so I think the big speculation today, which I think was a hot take, was all the people jumping out saying that there had to be an, an immediate other cut today to make this room of money. And I know you heard it. Why is that? fake news essentially what why why doesn't that even make sense because they have been making cuts but it was rumored that something had to happen with zeitler or solder for things to even work out at all which wasn't the case the day is now pretty much over and nothing has happened did you hear that from an actual news source or just what you saw on twitter no j- just just the twitter chirps just the twitter chirps <laughs> yeah, put them to so bed that- so it, it, that's kind of the problem is that everybody is an expert on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so it, the cap it, or the terminology is worded that at no point can a team be over um, the cap. Like they have to get under it. There are exceptions for if a player is cut, traded, etc. Then the team has eight days, I believe it is, to then, you know, make some other adjustments to get under the cap. However, none of that becomes official until the official league year. Mm-hmm. So if the Giants do tag Leonard Williams today, again, he still has to sign the franchise tag. They just placed it on him. Yeah. So he could not sign it as well. So nothing's going to be official until he – I think he, Leonard Williams is vacation in Puerto Rico. Yes, yeah, so, with turtles doing whatever. Swimming with turtles, petting frogs. So I <laughs> – so I don't think he's even in Jersey. He still has to sign the franchise tag just to make it official. Um, but they have until the beginning of the league year. The league year starts everything. So mm. they have until the beginning of the league year to get under the cap to make those adjustments. So they got eight days to try to restructure Solder and towards Eitler or make some additional cuts. Yeah, so uh, speaking of some cuts, we cut Cody Core, uh, another receiver we cut. By the way, speaking of Cody Core, I love he put a – there was a little – highlight montage of him out there and it's like him like placing punts like on the two yard line great i mean really great effort of like cody core we also cut golden tate we didn't touch on it on this show if you follow clapback sports we definitely dug in deep on that and we saw that happening for a bit and david mayo is also gone but there is some restructuring to do i thought it was important though to circle back and explain what the league year exactly the importance of it because uh and when when it was because i had to ask you guys earlier today i feel like to the average football fan this is a bit of a crazy time. Everyone kind of understands free agency, but once you get into the cap and these stupid contracts and just like, you know, when you're over, when you're under, what you're restructuring, what these cuts are, it's nice to dumb it down sometimes and explain it because it does get a little crazy. And again, if you go on Twitter, everyone's mad about everything. Uh, we also brought back, we picked up Levo, uh, Levine Toyolo's contract. Uh, it was $1.25 million, I think, and people were freaking out about that. Something like that. It was a little over a milli. I think it touched two mil. No, no, it was under two million. Yeah, we freed up 1.35. Yeah. So uh, it was still over – what was it? It was still over two million, Yeah, I think. But regardless. No, it, it, it couldn't happen. Yeah, it, it was a little under two million. It's like yeah, 1.6 or whatever. It, it was, was pennies. Yeah. It was pennies to the dollar at this point. People were just freaking out because he's a third string tight end. At the same time, though, 
I mean, if you you got a guy like John Rison still on the roster, who, by the way, is like six foot seven. That's I mean, yeah, two hundred something pounds. If you're if you're talking about a target or a, a red zone target, I mean, they don't really come much bigger. I mean, he's like probably the LeBron version on this team. So, I mean, if you need the additional cap, just let him go. But apparently, uh, Joe Judge and these coaches like him. I also heard there was not much of a – there wasn't a direct cap hit if we cut him, right? Or, or is that Evan Ingram? Oh, Correct. There was, no, it, there was no dead cap. Yeah. So. Well, besides, besides the point, though, besides the point, th- those are just some cuts and some things that are going on. For me, let, let's circle it all back to this. Let's, let's go to Leonard Williams. I mean, we talk about this extensively on our other show, but let's talk about it here. For you, is he worth it? I mean, people will say even with Leonard Williams, we need that we still need a DN, we need an edge rusher. But with this defense, it showed that we necessarily didn't really need one last year. So I mean, we're paying Leonard Williams to be basically our defensive end, right? So is he worth that money? For me, after what you saw last year with the production, I'd have to say yes. But the NFL is all about what have you done for me lately? And Dave Gettleman constantly gets killed because he gave up a third and a fifth for him. But I, I I think we brought it up on Clapback, and our boy Chris has brought this up in the past. But what if Leonard Williams was homegrown? What if we had drafted him? Would people feel differently about resigning him? I think the fact that Dave Gettleman and Dave Gettleman, <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, he can, he can certainly get this fan base riled up. But uh, I think being that he gave up capital for him, Fans just don't know where they want to be on Leo. Leo is a guy that can't do any right right now. So it's like, oh, my God, we gave up this for what? For five sacks? Oh, well, now that he had 11 and a half sacks, it's because Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence was getting double t- Like, There's no winner. No, but Mage, not only that, he can't do any wrong. People are stalking his Insta, and people are coming at him for liking comments about, like, oh, Leo won't be here next year. If he doesn't get a long-term deal, no shit he's not going to fucking be here next year. He just got tagged twice. Why would and, – and we already talked about it. I don't think he wants to play under the tag at all. I don't think he will. So it's like, what do you th- – it's a business. What do you – you expect you think he's gonna be happy like he it's kind of disrespect like i mean he's getting an increase in money but like we talked about this with dak plenty of times before no player just wants to be tagged like you know what i mean especially if you're not a guy that is making the impact or holds the level of like just just the impact the impact that Leonard williams had on this defense last year and since he's come here i mean it's astronomical and i mean it's being a dead horse with us, but maybe not to the people of this show. It's yeah. I mean, like Leo changed the page for us and no one wanted to give him the credit for it. And now that he made the improvements that he did and is doing what he's doing and deserves his money. Everyone's like, I don't know. There's so many other things we need. Like, you know, what are we going to spend our money on then? What are we going to spend our money on? You know, <laughs> moving the goalpost constantly, moving the goalpost constantly. Look, I mean, as long as Saquon's still here, the fan base isn't going to be happy. Um, yeah. Bad news is after today's presser, it sounds like he's not going anywhere. They want him here long term too. Uh, the other thing that Dave Gettleman said today too is that he understands the nineteen point four million for Leo. They have to get that down. There's only one way you can get that down is by negotiating a long term deal. Yeah. So. Um, everybody's going to look at, you know, even Blake Martinez. 
Blake Martinez still gets ripped on, even though he might be the best middle linebacker that we've had since Antonio Pierce. Yeah. Now, granted, it's been one year, but there's a guy that said he wants to be a New York Giant for life. Mm-hmm. So, and Leo wants to be here. Leo has said it's about the respect. He's played his whole career in New Jersey. So, I mean, you got to pay these guys. And I also said, I saw an interesting tweet today or stat that said, it's not, it's not about the sacks anymore. With the way that new offenses are built, we're getting the ball out quicker. It's about collapsing the pocket and putting pressure on a quarterback to make errant throws. Mm-hmm. And we saw that a ton last year with this front. Right? I, I mean, even against the Cowboys. With, with Leo especially, Mage, we've always saw that with Leo. His knock was that he just couldn't get the fucking sacks. Right. And now he got the sacks to put up and shut up for his contract, and people have a problem with it. it it's, but how many, how many Aaron throws did he cause in that Dallas game? Yeah. By just creating pressure. And he's a and game he wrecker. Got, he's just I, a game I, wrecker, yeah. I agree with you. And uh, I... I had had a little project where we went through and who are who are considered disruptors on defense in the NFL, right? And I think tier one, there's probably only two guys for me, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack. Doesn't matter what they do, what the result of the play is, they're going to disrupt an offense. Right? Then we got down to the second tier where you kinda of have guys like Miles Garrett and Chris Jones. Leonard Williams is probably one tier right below them, and I think that's pretty good company because yeah. that means he sits at the top of that pyramid in terms of what you just said, being a disruptor on defense. And he's knocking on the door, but he's knocking on the door. You know what I mean? Like, Miles Garrett has done it from, like – like, and the thing is with Miles Garrett, too, like, he he was taken – top five similar to leo even higher right and so like he's doing what everyone expected he's being consistent and he's being a game wrecker throughout like that's what i think is bothering me about leo he's been consistent the guy stays on the field all the time and he does it time and time out he, he's done exactly he's owned up to the bill of that top five pick he was just sucking away on the jets forever that people fucking forgot about that and so, like, no, this is a fan base that wanted to give Clowney twenty million dollars last year. When you talk about consistency, given his injury history, he's he's always available. Best availability is what? Yeah, availability. I mean, and the thing with Miles Garrett, the only time he's consistent too, but the only time he's been off the field is when he swung a helmet at Mason Rudolph. And so, you know, that's not even injury history. But uh, you know, we talked about it. We compared it to Chris Jones because if Chris Jones is tier two, I mean, you look at Chris Jones's contract. You know. He's a game wrecker on defense for a team that's very offensive dependent, and it just sucks for us. Like, and that's that's the funny thing, I guess. Full circle is that he's the game wrecker on a team that defense where defense is dependent. He's arguably our best player on the team. Arguably, like you know what I mean. Like you you can make a case when Saquon's there, sure, because like offense, you know, offense runs this league at this point. But it's like really, it's Leonard Blake and James Bradbury. It's like that's the defense, like to a triangle. And really, I mean, Leonard, dude. Uh, last year, it's hard. It's hard to make a case against him not being defensive MVP on our team. I, I mean, you know, I, I think I think it's hard, in my opinion. Well, the the interesting thing for me to come out of today with all the tags and all the announcements is we still don't know what the Giants are going to do. No, they still have to clear a lot of cap space if we're looking at that offensive playmaker. But the other thing is we've had no news on Dalvin at all. None. Yeah. And this team, this coaching staff, I think really loves them. 
I think they're I think they're gonna probably work something out with Dalvin the more that I think about it. And um I think I think that they get something done with Leo too. I think they'll get it done with Leo. Uh Dalvin, I'm still like that and the funny thing is too I think Dalvin's gonna take a discount. Yeah, I well he has to. <laughs> we talked about that forever. He has to. Um the press conference gave us nothing. It was, uh, I saw the quote everywhere. It was just like a whole lot of words, not much of anything. It's like, yeah, it's pretty much that. But whenever Gettleman says, what, what do people it, expect? Like, Gettleman's yeah. going to come out and say, hey, kid, yeah, we're cutting Solder, we're cutting uh, Zeitler, we're making all this room. Are we going to go target Galladay in free agency? See, they expect, the thing is, they expect more out of Gettleman because you know you're not getting anything out of Judge. Judges, so you judge isn't giving you an inch of anything. But then, if Gettleman tipped his hat like Jerry Reese always did, it'd be up Gettleman's ass for that too. <laughs> you will always I, be up Gettleman's ass. The one guy, what, what was the need to call him old today? Like, obviously he's old, dude. Like, let him live. People just like it was. He's like a punching bag. It was like the first day of the year that everyone's just like, all right, let's get our shots off. You know, just throwing up three, <laughs> forty feet. Insane, insane. Oh, and what about Kim Jones up. fucking calling the offensive line old? I mean, they got Zeitler and they got Solder. Well, like. and you know Kim was fishing, though. She just wanted him to say that he was either doing something with Solder or doing something with Zeitler. That's all that was. Because, like, that that was the target of her pit. I'm not defending her, but I know what she was doing, like, working for NFL Network. She's fishing. That was a fish. She thought he'd take the bait, and he get him in and giving her anything. He's not. He wasn't giving anything up in that press conference. You knew it, a hundred percent. The interesting thing is that I don't know, man. I know on clapback we talked about Corey Davis possibly being the target. That's starting to look more and more likely every single day. I mean, the longer that this goes on, we still have Zeitler on the team. We still have Solder on the team. Nobody's been cut yet. Yes, we still have eight days to make these transactions, but um. I think they're going to look to restructure everybody and just look for next year once the cap goes back up. By the way, that was some also news today, too. They were saying that the DAC contract they thought was a precedent to what the cap might look like. And there was news today. I can't remember who um, uh, broke it, but they're saying that they expect that the cap will go up by about $50 million over the next five years. So something to that nature. Or it'll be 258 so which is even more because we're at 180 now. So you got to expect a big jump this year and next year then. So 258 in within five years. So that that's a 78 million dollars. So those new contracts got to be pretty damn lucrative. Yeah, and we think about Saquon's contract all the time. But I thought it was interesting when he did talk about Saquon, and, and you know, as we're wrapping things up here. But to talk on Saquon real quick. They asked him how important it is to see Saquon on the field before they even start the negotiations. And I think, you know, as, as much as they're eager to, you know, talk to Saquon and extend him and get him a new deal, um, I mean, that's, that's a big factor. I think that's just a part of doing business, too. And we talk about that all the time. You got to see what he can do. I mean, and, you know, it's not his fault, but I think, you know, his situation just – sucks because the last two years he hasn't been able to really generate anything because of the product around him and i think that's what makes this year even more important and this is something again uh tune in the clapback subscribe to that as well follow us but we talk about it all the time man this is a make or break year uh as much as the cap is going up we got people to pay saquon being one of them and you know if we're gonna give him a zeke deal 
he won rookie of the year, but you know, I, I, I love Saquon, man, but it hasn't been much since. And so it, it's, it's scary, man. It's scary. And you see what happens when you pay a running back. Things don't exactly shape up for the team as well as you think it would. Saquon could thank uh, Zeke for him not getting $20 million. He's not going to get that. Uh, I mean, there's there's no way in hell I think the Giants pay him. I, I think that, if anything, Saquon's going to top out around 16 tops. And even that's going to be a lot. Like you said, he has a lot to prove health-wise. Yeah. So before he went down last year, he didn't look too good against Pittsburgh. So, yeah. And it sucks. It's not. I really. I don't think it's his fault. Again, I love Saquon. I followed him since college. I beat the drum for him. I was I'm I'm one of the stands of a Giant fan that said he's the best player I probably ever seen in college in general. And they there's no way you can't take him. I have fucking pictures on my wall. And with all that said, it's just like they can't give him a contract until we see what he could do this year. I mean, production's everything. Production's everything. And you know, he's a genetic freak, so I think he's gonna bounce back just fine. Um and I want him on our team, but Makes me nervous with how we handle our situation sometimes. Also, real quick, Tino, before we go, um, Andrew Thomas, 21, Matt Perk, 23. Cam Fleming, Fleming was 28, Kevin Zeitler was 30, Shane Lemieux, thir- uh, 23, Will Hernandez, 25, Nick Gates, 25. Who's old on this offensive line aside from what we knew? Yeah, so there. Like, it, 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 was, it was a bad take by Ken Jones. It was. Awful. And she could have went about it different. She she could have just asked him what the what he was trying to do with Zeitler. Um, and on that, I, I had one more thing to talk about. I forgot we were talking offensive line. Oh, he talked about Matt Pert. Talked about Matt Pert. Says he likes uh, what's going Gotta on. Gotta let the kids play. Yeah. And you want to know something too with, with Gettleman? I love that he talks about exactly what we talk about. And this is my perspective. See, like this is where I agree with Gettleman because he's just a football guy. He straight up said he's like. You know, going into the draft this year, he's like, when we took Andrew Thomas last year, he's 20 years old. He just turned 21. It's like, it's important to get a feel on these guys because they're about to have grown fucking men running at them, trying to take their heads off. That was his exact word. He's like, trying to rip your hair out, I think. He's like, you're 20 years old going against a 29-year-old trying to kill you, basically. And it's a real-life question the people who play fantasy football don't realize when you're making draft picks. It's like, they're babies. Like, it's you that you got to take an account to that. And he talked about how football's changed entirely. You don't got guys who are redshirt seniors anymore. You don't got guys who are four-year players anymore. You just go for the talent and the accredited programs, and everything else is kind of like, you know, let's see what your numbers are at the combine. So it's like, football is still that at the end of the day. I mean, if you're a man's man at a young age, great. But, you know, looking forward to the draft – to me it's always been that way like if we're taking someone um i want to see a few years under his belt i've always been that way and that's why i love saquon that's why i like that's why i love parsons like you know a a big thing he talked about too was that uh you know there are guys you don't have tape on for 24 months you know this is a different draft this year like the draft is going to be really different from an organizational standpoint because there's a lot of curveballs out there right now combined lack of visits people weren't really going to games for a while. Gettleman went to one that we know of, Rutgers. So it's like, I don't know. There are a lot of question marks in the draft, free agency, cap. And I, I don't know which one's scarier. <laughs> yeah, no one thing know. I think I heard him say today also was that the uh, top 150 players are still going to meet at Indianapolis. So teams will be able to okay. meet with them there. So they'll be able to get the medical, see them in person. But it's only for the top 150, I believe. So yeah, um, they'll still be there. But uh, 
You know, um, uh, Dave Gettleman did say, you know, as they as he recounted some of the seventh round draft picks, it's a good thing that we still have uh, Tay Crawford on this team. So yeah, I, I really do like the linebacker out of Georgia. It's funny. I try to give Gettleman an inch ever, and it's like you know something. I, I feel like, and uh, you know, people who hate Gettleman will never see it. It's like, listen, it's like working for a boss you hate. You know, sometimes you just got you got to figure it out. So it's like obviously Gettleman's not the best, but he's there. So what are you going to do? Just be, And you know something, though? The people who hate Gettleman have elected to do this. They've just been miserable the last fucking three years, four years. And if they want to go there route, they can. But here I am just trying to be fucking optimistic and give the guy an inch. Okay, give him a little bit of a break because he gets it. He just doesn't, you know, he's not all there. You know, it's not his fault. He didn't go to Harvard. That he's all there. There's an entire scouting department. I mean, yeah. you know. How much time is he really spending with the players? Probably not a lot. I mean, no. we, we know that from uh, Carolina. He wasn't really personable. I mean, he's a numbers guy. He looks at things. But, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that we got Ty Crawford, though. Yeah. And what didn't he mess up? Uh, he didn't remember Coughlin's name? Yeah, he was <laughs> like, ah, we got some other guy. Yeah. <laughs> Carter Coughlin, yeah. Uh, the way he, he talks. Cam Brown. Yeah, the way he talks um, is just great all the time, though. I love his A's. Harvard was a highlight of it. And just, just everything. His vowels are just great. Like, really, when you hear him talk, you just pay attention to how he says his vowels because they're always long. <laughs> they're always <laughs> long and deep deep vowels. People um, get upset. They say it's not Boston accent. It's more like Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it's not correct English. <laughs> Any way you look at it. It's, it's not even the correct name. We don't even have a Jay Crawford on this team. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, and then um, you know, but it's so funny. It's a polar opposite with Judge too, because like literally, Judge. And that's why I think they mesh so well together. I, I really think that they're like so opposites. They like they're the same, but they're just totally different people. So, uh, you know, hey, we talk about it all the time. Again, guys, follow us at Clapback underscore Sports. Subscribe, um, Spotify, Apple Music. We're on a bunch of other stuff too. I, you can check us out on Anchor. I don't even know exactly how anchor works but that's a plug for anchor right there too um but yeah th- th- this was fun mage this was great i always enjoy talking giants with you yeah and if people want more if they want to hear more tune in later this week <laughs> yeah absolutely where i might have a brain aneurysm or a stroke because i yell a lot more there yeah and murph is there as well that so that contributes to the brain injury <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me tino appreciate it Big shout out to the mage for coming on today. I appreciate that. But now I'm going to get you guys ready for my mock draft with Bill Campy, Pat DiMartino, and Connor Flynn. Uh, Really good stuff here. Some players you've heard of before, some players you haven't heard of, and definitely some angles on the draft that are a little unpredictable, especially with the first two uh, picks here with the Jets and the Dolphins. So stick around for this. Without further ado, here we are, our first AFC East mock draft all right now i have the great pleasure of introducing our first mock draft of the season of mock draft season itself i already told the people at home this is going to be just an afc divisional mock draft only the all four teams in the afc east division the jets the dolphins the patriots and the bills will be on the clock in that order i guess at least in the first round it's in that order because the dolphins We'll have the Texans' third overall pick. Poor, poor Houston. Um, but we have the people who you guys are familiar with at this point returning to this show for 
the the number of times that I can't even I, I can't even remember at this point. But Bill Campy and Pat DiMartino are here. Of course, I promised you guys last week when Pat was on the show, he would be back. Campy would be on the show. But we do have a new face, although we can't see his face right now. We do have a new <laughs> face here in uh, Connor Flynn. Connor, welcome to the show. I hope I hope you're ready to have at it here because uh, these two are a lot to deal with on the show. It's a lot to deal with. So just be ready for it. Be ready to handle it. Oh. Oh, Bill's, Bill's been a lot to deal with for a long time. I, I am ready for anything. <laughs> well, so, okay. So the way we're going to do this is we'll go in clock order, essentially. Um, the way we kind of have this ran right now, four of us, four teams. I'll take over the Patriots by default. I have no stake in this game, but Connor is a Bill's guy. Pat is a Dolphins guy. And then, Bill, you are on the clock. Technically, you are running the show for the Jets. Um you are all the GMs. I know Pat is the actual GM of the Dolphins, but we're all GMs today. So, uh, Bill, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, you're on the clock. Let us know with that number two overall pick where the Jets are going to go. So I, I got to probably say uh, Meliora to start. It's good to have Flynn with us. And uh, that probably should be on my headstone that I, you know, I'm just a lot to deal with. So thanks for that <laughs> shout out. Flynn. I'm sure my wife can relate. Um, so with the second overall pick, uh, this is – a no-brainer. Um, it's going to be Zach Wilson, six foot three, two ten, two fifteen, uh, from BYU. Uh, this guy ticks all the boxes. Um, you know, you've heard all the analysts, whatnot. Some of them have come out and said that he's outright the best overall pick uh, to be had at the quarterback position. Yes, including Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't necessarily agree that he is the most talented, but I think he is the best quarterback. What do I mean by that? He has open. He's got a, a professional mindset in terms of just being able to manage what's going on around him. And also he has the characteristics of a professional quarterback. He uh, took 18% of his snaps to BYU last year. 38% of those passes from BYU last year were in play action. Uh, he's thrown the ball on average 2.8 seconds. It took from snap to uh, pass for him last year. So he does all those things that you need to be able to do. He, need, he can read a defense and get the ball out quick. Um, and he's going to be put in, I think, the best situation whatsoever. Other than being drafted by the Niners, he's going to be put into a QB-friendly system that works on play action, motion, giving the quarterback the ability to get the ball out quick and also just – having uh, scheming of open receivers. Um, so I think it's, uh, and he's got the swagger. He, he oozes confidence. You know, he's got like that quiet confidence to him. So in that same vein, he's almost similar to Darnold, but I think he's just got a little more to him uh, mentally. Um, you know, it's, it's sad to say bye to Sam Darnold, but, you know, adios. Uh, we'll get some type of a pick out of you, you know, second round or maybe next year, maybe who knows this year too with the interest, but we will be drafting the best quarterback to ever come out of BYU football ever. And I say that seriously. So Steve Young, you will be number two from now on. I mean, that's a bold take. It's a bold take. I, you mentioned Sammy at the end. I was going to say now this pick is contingent on Sam leaving. This is the underlining thing to it. And obviously that would mean you guys probably won't get Watson then because this pick will probably would go to the Texans and that. So we crossed those things off. Now, my question to you, and this is why I'm just on the other side of this, because Sam was a mobile guy. He can move, he can make plays, but he still had one season where, or, or one game, 
not one season. I wish it was one season for you guys. One game where he didn't take a sack or more than two sacks at that. So, I mean, you don't exactly help the new guy coming in because a lot of, you know, the offensive line that you had last year is returning at that. And with Becton, you know, Becton's for as great as he was, didn't really stay on the field as much as you expected. He did have some un- underlying issues, whether it was chest, his heart, his legs. I'm not even sure. He, it was something new every day. So I'm Panay Sewell all the way with this number two overall pick. So I, I think the question is more that, do you think just getting another guy in there, an, uh, you know, another quarterback, um, you're not really concerned about this offensive line at all? I'm sure you will be, but. I think that's the, I think that's the beauty of the situation. Darnold wasn't in the same situation uh, as, as Zach Wilson would be uh, to this point in time. When Darnold was drafted, the Jets had to give up two seconds to actually move up to that uh, number three spot, and he just happened to fall to them. Um, so you lost assets from that. You draft Zach Wilson here. Okay, fine. You know, you could go get Sewell. And I was originally on that bandwagon. I really was. I thought that was the right way to go. But Jim Tape, seeing Wilson, just what he can do, he's better than Darnold. I think hands down. He has a higher ceiling. He's he's better. He's more prepared right now than Darnold was. Darnold's a great guy. I think he's going to go to a situation that would work out well for him. Uh, hopefully, uh, he deserves it. He's he's done nothing wrong in this situation. It's just the way that it's you know it's worked out. Uh, it's a uh, it's unfortunate for Darnold, but this is the best the best course of action for the Jets to take Zach Wilson. Their offensive line is going. I mean, spoiler alert is going to be addressed a little later on in in, in our predictions here, but uh, it will be. Uh, done the right way. And Joe Douglas has proven right now early on that he wants to build through the trenches. Now this is a mock draft, but I'm just curious, any idea where you think Sam might go? Any feelers? I would like to see him go. I mean, there's been some things, but I really like if he could go to new Orleans or, or even the Niners, I think it would work out great for both teams. Um, You know, new Orleans seems set on Winston uh, which is which is fine, uh, but I think that if he went to a situation that had a, a, a great offensive coach or, or a good mind, I think that would get the most out of Darnold, and he would have the talent around him to not be, you know, running around like a. And also, you're just getting a better uh, a better quarterback. All right, fair enough. I won't I won't dispute it too much. You you said you'll address the offensive line later, so we will see who you decide to address it with. You better hope he's still there. You better hope he's still there. The Patriots are there beforehand. They're not looking for offensive linemen, but maybe, maybe I'm feeling it. I'm the GM today. I'm Bill. If I want to be Belichick, I can be Belichick today. Pat, you're on the clock here. Three overall. Um, you gave me a little idea of who you may take with this third overall pick. I don't know if you were serious, but you're on the clock. So whatever you want to do, you can do. All right. Well, first of all, nice pick, Campy. I think you got the best quarterback in the draft. I think Sam is going to look great with a backwards hat and a clipboard for the next 10 years. That's kind of where he belongs in my estimation. With the third overall pick, we are going to take Kyle Jr. tight end out of Florida, 6'6", 246. Now, yesterday the Dolphins actually traded for a first-round tackle, uh, Isaiah Wilson, that the Titans drafted last season. Didn't work out for Isaiah in Tennessee. Uh, had some off-the-field issues. He's sort of getting a second chance now. So they're getting a first-round talent in that pick. That's a huge, you know, low risk, high reward. They only swapped seventh rounders. Tennessee just wanted him out of the building. So I'm not going anywhere near tackle right now. I I think the Dolphins have a lot of depth at the offensive line, even though 
maybe not some household names. You know, Austin Jackson still young. I'm not giving up on him, the rookie from USC. So I'm not going the Sewell route. I personally think Kyle Pitts is one of the most dominant college football players I've ever seen in my lifetime. He needs to be bracketed every snap. He still wins against bracket coverage. Uh, he's in the 95th percentile in breakout age. I like breakout age a lot for skill position players. Just a generational talent. His agility, speed, catch radius, burst, all absolutely off the charts. He could play X. He could play Z. He could play Y attached. He could play Y detached. He could play wing. He could do. He could pretty much play any position on along the offense. And I think there's actually been a lot of criticism of his blocking that is unwarranted. He's a willing blocker, ferocious blocker, really good hand placement. He just hasn't had a chance to put on a lot of mass yet onto that giant frame. I don't see blocking as being a huge liability for him going forward. Now, clearly, the Dolphins' tight end position with guys like Mike Gesicki, it's not really a blocking first position in the Dolphins' offense. Um, you know, I could have gone wide receiver here with Jamar Chase, but that Dolphins' receiving core, I think all of a sudden, if you play a lot of 12 personnel, and only need two guys to pop from this grouping, now we have a deeper receiving core. So it's kind of like we're strengthening our depth at a few different positions. Gesicki's in a contract year also. Uh, Dylan Smythe, the backup, is in a contract year. Shaheen, the third tight end, signed through 2022. So this bolsters the tight end position. We're going to play 12 personnel. We're going to solidify two position groups with one pick, and we're going to roll with, uh, with Kyle Pitts. So um, I told you yesterday I would turn off the draft if they got taken third overall. Not because I hate the pick. I think he's a talented player. I just want the Giants to get him, so I'm biased. Um, but I'll ask an actual legitimate question. You did address it. I was going to mention Gesicki. Um, The Giants have a similar situation. I want the Giants to take him, but they also have a tight end that's obviously there already, and Evan Ingram, who, God, you know, let's just move forward. I don't have time for that right now. Um, yeah, not really tight end. So you said he could play everyone on the field. If the Dolphins did draft him, where do you see opening day kind of him slotted in? Do you see Gasicki as a starting tight end and maybe he's going to, they're going to run that 12 personnel off the gates? I mean, you know the Dolphins better than me. So do you think they'll just come out of the gates to tight ends or do you think they might just stretch him out, um, you know, to that X or the Y? I think the personnel package will be 12. He could play attached, just like I said. I think that, so the real decision, honestly, is do we roll forward with Tua, right? I mean, if you do, I think you need to give him some toys because that offense was stagnant at times last year. I haven't seen a big sample from Tua to write him off yet. I don't think it's there. Uh, you know, barely getting over injury. I think we'll see a healthier Tua with a more with a full off season and, and a camp. So I'm not willing to to kick that pick to the curb yet. Now, if Zach Wilson fell, maybe it's a different story. Uh, still, though, I, I'm going to stick with this selection, and I think. You know, Pitts and Gesicki are sort of interchangeable pieces. It's going to be a dynamic offense. It's it's interesting to see that because it was funny when we talked about this like two months ago or whatever, like a guy that you take in the top five and receiver. And, you know, I made the point of just like, you don't take him unless he's a freak. And Pitts is a freak. I mean, he he's head over heels freakish compared to any of the receivers out there. I don't know if I'd do it, but it's certainly tempting, um, especially, you know, I, I tend to think that I would, Run, want to really shore up those tackle positions or the offensive line, but it's both. So I was just looking it up. I think this would be the highest tight end taken since Vernon Davis. I know Hawkinson was a top 10 pick as well, but nowhere 
nowhere near three. I am now on the clock. The Patriots on the clock. I feel like this one's pretty easy. The Patriots don't have as many picks as the Dolphins and Jets in this draft, so this should be nice and easy. But they're looking for a quarterback. I think if everything shapes out the way it will, and I have it here, I'm keeping track of it. I love you guys taking those picks early. It just means some of the players that the Giants are targeting in receiver or Mika Parsons might fall to them at 11, but the Patriots are at 15. And I'm going to take Mac Jones here. I I think um, the only way this kind of doesn't happen is if a lot of the QB needy teams, I mean, there are some teams ahead of them. You have on this mock right here that I'm keeping track of Trey Lance going 12 to the 49ers. I think that's a preference thing that could be Mac Jones. Um, I know the Vikings are linked. There are a few teams in the top 10. You don't really know where they're going to go or where they're at with their quarterbacks, the page, the Panthers, and the Broncos, but I think Mac Jones makes a lot of sense to the Patriots. Um, I mean, his numbers were ridiculous last year, led the nation in receiving. It also helps when you have Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, but uh, I, I love the way he plays. I love the way he plays. He's not the typical Alabama style quarterback. And um, I don't think it means much, but to hear his players and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, who also played with Tua, say they take Mac over Tua should mean something. Should mean something, not everything, but it means a little bit. I mean, Tua was a top five pick last year. So um, I don't I don't have to layer it up too much. His numbers were ridiculous last year. Obviously, that was his only year really getting full action, but uh, kind of saw enough out of it. I think he fits the Patriots perfect. They obviously need a guy. And so Pat's going Mac Jones, guys. You got another, another young quarterback in the division. I think that makes sense. Uh, I mean, I still think that. It, I mean, Max like climbing the boards. I mean, some people have him going in top 10. Some people have him obviously going to Patriots um, or even down further. Uh, but uh, I actually think that that will happen and they will also get Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo is like the short term and then they're able to have Mac Jones kind of learn the system and get some of that tutelage under him and then perhaps take over the year after. I, I don't think it's going to cost that much to get Garoppolo back and they love him. So it's like a win-win. You know, it's almost the same situation that when they had, you know, Brady, because they had Brissett and they had Garoppolo and okay, well, you have them both and you still can ship them for, you know, a, a QB needy team and get more assets in return. Or if it works out and that and Garoppolo just falls off a cliff, well, you got the, the rookie or the first year uh, quarterback available to take over. Yeah, Mac Jones is giving me Daniel Jones vibes the way he's climbing the board. I, uh, I, you know, when the Giants were taking Jones, you kind of start heard a lot about him just kind of coming up. Obviously, Mac Jones is more known, went to a bigger school, um, but you no know, similar vibes. I'm getting very similar vibes with that. Now, Connor hasn't talked yet, and there's a reason for it. The Bills aren't on the clock yet, and um, you know, unfortunately, the Jets and the Dolphins will both be on the clock one more time before he gets to jump in and talk about these Bills. Um, Pat, it's you. It's you at number 18. The Dolphins are back on the clock here. All right, so two first-round picks gives me a little bit more flexibility to be bold, a little more risk-reward. I'm not sure if this guy will be there at 18. Um, If a team falls in love with him, he could go way earlier, or he may slide. He's got injury history, had concussions before he transferred to his current school, which is the U. So we're going to in Florida again for the second pick here. And we're going to go with Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher from Miami. He's a UCLA transfer, a junior, just a dominant physical specimen. 6'5", 266. His defensive line coach in college, Coach Maria Williams and Manny Lawson, and said that been around. He really turned some heads this year with his first year playing under Manny Diaz. 
Um, emerged as an emotional leader, which I like. Uh, very disruptive, violent. Um, just a, the kind of guy that I would like to coach because he can play three, four outside linebacker. He can play four, three hand in the dirt and his pursuit is going to make it work. This guy finds the football. He runs, to, he runs to the ball, plays to the whistle and through the whistle. He, he just has rare attributes. And I think the dolphins really need to solidify that outside linebacker position. I'm just checking my depth chart here. Kyle Van Noy was cut slash not really cut traded now. So that, that marriage is over. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba's in a contract. He's a really explosive player. Didn't grade out all that well. Uh, I think that's a position in this scheme that you can't really fake it. You know, you screw down to a four-two-five. You can put your hand in the dirt. You want to stick into three-four. You need a versatile piece that, like, sort of strong side, outside backer position. Uh, there's not a lot of depth there. They need to address that position. And I think Jalen Phillips is the type of guy who can be a superstar uh, if he stays healthy. That's interesting to me. I think more, I mean, so more for the reason of just that Gregory Rasau is jumping off the boards right now. I mean, people are just like shooting him up uh, draft boards because he's tied to the Giants a ridiculous amount because they obviously need an edge. On this mock, he would be the second D, uh, D end or, you know, I guess outside linebacker taken. Depends how you really look at him. They have him listed as a D end here. Uh, but to Quiddy Pay, obviously Parsons was taken, but really one of those edge guys. So he, you know, he's top two or three off the board. That's the first I've really heard of him. Uh, heard of him, like in terms of you know being taken this high in the first round. So that's someone I definitely got to keep an eye out on. I really don't know enough about Phillips. I know he transferred, um, but I didn't follow enough of the U this year to really get a pulse of him. But um, I mean, from everything you're saying, I mean, and from what I just looked up quickly, seems like he's talented enough. It's just the injuries that seem like to really be holding him back. Yeah, I mean, if, if you watch Kyle Van Noy's college tape, just as like a reference, that's sort of the position I see him playing at the next level. He does everything Van Noy did, but better and at 266-65. Like, I, I think it's a, you know, it's scary with the three concussions. Uh, I don't know enough about the medical side of it to, to really speak on that. But if I'm just looking at the player, I'll take Jalen Phillips all day long. All right. I'm sold. I'm sold. Um, and this way it buries Gregory Rasal too, because I'm, I'm tired of that too. Cause there's no way the giants are taking him at 11, but people, people are riding the high horse. Can't be you're on the clock here. 23. Um, there are some tackles on the board. If this is the time you want to address tackle. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't, I don't know if they're going to be there on that next pick. So consider it. Think about it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very much in the same line of thinking as uh, the man that, ha that holds all the controls, and that is Joe Douglas. We are going to continue to build the offensive line. In the Big 12, it's all about offense. Tevin Jenkins knows all about that going from Oklahoma State, 6'6", uh, 320, 325. Uh, guy that played both tackle positions. I see him as a perfect fit at right tackle opposite of Makai Becton. You get two bookends that we were all thinking about for Sewell. Uh, and this is a, hey, you don't even have to argue about who's going to be the right tackle here. Jenkins is a guy that played right tackle, played it well. Uh, again, not exactly the length that we want at the le for left tackle. So I think that's perfect for him to slot over to right tackle. I think he's a better run blocker than pass blocker as well. Uh, he's pretty heavy handed with his first strike, which is beautiful. Um, and he doesn't seem to have many issues when he's down blocking, anything like that. And he can really build up that, that type of a wall 
to help out in the just the, the meat of a defense. Uh, this is a guy that can get to the second level, uh, maybe not that consistent, but I see him as a perfect opposite to Becton, um, and that will help uh, tenfold when it comes to the Jets. You just picked up Wilson. You get Tevin Jenkins. You have Becton, and now your offensive line is a problem when you go get Joe Tooney uh, or a guard in, in, uh, in free agency which you have the money to do so. And I think that that turns around your offensive line completely. Um, and now your offensive line is no longer a liability, but a strength in a new offensive system that relies on the offensive line being strong uh, in both facets of the game, run and pass. Yeah, no, Tevin Jenkins is a brick shit house. I mean, he's a refrigerator with legs. So I, I'm, I have no complaints. Uh, I like Tevin Jenkins a lot. The only person there, and this is someone now, Connor, you're on the clock here. This is someone I was looking at for the bills here. There's one other tackle on the board. It does say, now I'm just going to tell you what PFF says the needs are, and I'll tell you who the tackle I was looking at at this 30 spot um, is, but it's tackle cornerback. I know the Bills need some help on defense. They obviously, that would be the weak part of their game last year. I don't know if you're looking for the, to address that need in the draft in the first round, but you're on the clock. So take the ball, roll with it, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Well, these these certainly are uncharted waters for the Buffalo Bills here, aren't they? Usually, usually, I mean, for most of my life, we've seen the Buffalo Bills somewhere in, in the pick 10 to pick 22 range, and we're going to get an overvalued cornerback that ends up flaming out after three years. And now we're sitting at 30 because we were one game away from the Super Bowl this year, which is just, I mean, just an incredible place to be. And as uh, one of one of the elected councilmen. Uh, I know that Western New York is really, really excited to see them in person next. I shouldn't say next year, next season. Uh, after not really being this year, when the Bills had their best, uh, I mean, best season since since I I have had memories. So, you know, I I was thinking through this. And and how to approach it, um, I I think you guys will, will remember when the Bills picked C.J. Spiller. Now C.J. Spiller out of Clemson when he came out, incredible talent. But there is nothing. I mean, there 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 is nothing around him with with the Bills um, at that point. They they got really excited for a toy, uh, but but there was not a foundation built up uh, where where he could really be successful. Um, I'm thinking about running back, but I'm not totally sold on it. I just want to work through my other options first. So with, with where the bills are at, they have a quarterback, which, which is, which is, uh, which is a really, really good place to be. Um, looking at who we're competing against historically, it's, it's been the new England Patriots for, for, for 20 or so years. Now, you know, I'm not so much worried about competing against the New England Patriots. I'm certainly not worried about competing against the New York Jets. And, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm cognizant of the Miami Dolphins and what they've been doing, but I will say they're, they're in a tier below the Bills. Um, where my focus is, is I'm competing against the Kansas City Chiefs. That is the team that I care about that I'm drafting for, that I'm designing my team around to beat. So one would think as 
as you mentioned, that, you know, maybe this is a spot where you go defense. Um, the Bills did have some problems on defense last year. I think that 95% of their problems on defense stemmed from one player not being there, Star Latula. Um, Star uh, is is one of those quiet players that you might not think of during 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 a regular season, but it's one of those things where you don't miss it until it's gone. And he was not there last year because of COVID, uh, and uh, he obviously had to take care of his family. And I, I obviously have no problem with that. But but, but what happened then is it, is it puts Ed Oliver into a spot um, that he's not necessarily uh, you know his his skill set doesn't match up well with. Um, and, and what happened is, is oftentimes you, you had offensive linemen from other teams breaking off of, of Ed and whoever else was playing on, on the defensive line and getting, getting to the second level fairly easily. Something started really, really well was he those blocks. Um, he's going to be back this year. So, so I think that's going to be as much of an issue. I, I think we're probably going to be losing Matt Milano, um, who did an incredible job for the Bills last year and really quarterback that, that but right now, this may sound crazy, but right now, I, I think I'm comfortable with what I saw from A.J. Klein last year to see if he can through another year. And I don't think bringing in a rookie middle linebacker to try and quarterback the defense is, is the best fit right now. At, at the end of, of, of this round, you know, I don't think Josh Norman is going to be around much longer. He, I, I would love to have him, but I think he's going to be a victim of the salary cap. So I could go corner here as well, but but actually I think going defense to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs is is it is foolish. They're they're going to score their points. So what I care about is scoring points myself. Now I don't know how much you, you watched the Bills last year, but they did a pretty good job of scoring points, um, which was a strange place to be. But it, it was it was a one man show for them arms and 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 legs to some extent of uh, of Josh Allen. So I brought up CJ Spiller earlier um and how that 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 pick uh didn't really fit the foundation that the Bills had laid at that point, but I think there's a foundation in place here. I I think we now have the ability to 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 make fun picks um for someone that can come in and help out on offense right now. And and although I'm hesitant because of my my history with with CJ Spiller, I I think the Bills are ready to select Travis Etienne from Clemson University here here with this pick. He he has the speed, the shiftiness. He comes from a fantastic program. He can come and help the Bills on day one. So so for that reason, I am picking uh, the running back out of Clemson. I love it. I mean, I love it. As soon as, soon as you mentioned CJ Spiller, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. I know it is a very Rex, different team. It, it's is a Rex very... Ryan still the head coach? Where? I, I oh. know because this is classic Clemson pick. I mean, I thought it would be Rex move. <laughs> oh man, Rex Rex loved picking Clemson players. Yeah, they uh, for for one reason or another just never transferred uh, to to the NFL. But I think a big part of that was the fact that the Bills didn't have a quarterback. I mean, you guys know. I mean, I mean, the Patriots know now. <laughs> for the first time in in 20 or so years, not not having an answer at quarter, uh, your team is going to fall apart. Well, so, I think the Bills got their guy, so that's 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 a really good spot. Well, so there's a million question marks in Devin Singletary, so that's why I think. I mean, I don't think he was a main 
a main one RB anyways. But I like Zach Moss, but he's more of a thumper. So I do think uh, he right. definitely adds a nice little spark to that offense. Um, and I think he, uh, he can complement him well. Devin Singletary is just an interesting situation. I mean, I feel like they tried to really get him involved last year and it just, mm-hmm. it just never happened. The person I was going to mention and it just got taken in this mock draft. I really like uh, Cosme out of Texas, Samuel Cosme. He's another brick shit house as well. And Wyatt Davis is a guy that I'm sure maybe, maybe Pat's looking at. He, he said he likes the offensive line. The, the Dolphins aren't up yet, but there are some talented picks still here. Uh, ETM was one of them though. Uh, I did not have a running back going in the first round, but you sneak one in there. Uh, similar to last year with Clyde and what the Chiefs did. So I like to see that. But now Campy is on the clock here. And with pick 34, the Jets have a, another decision to make on how they're going to make their team better. Uh, we are going to continue to just build and get some meat into this refrigerator that we call the New York Jets. And that is Pat Fryermuth, Penn State, six foot five, 250. This is a guy that's a classic pro tight end. He plays that attached Y a lot, but you can flex him out. I see him as finally giving the Jets stability at the tight end position, which they have lacked for many years. Uh, Not since really Dustin Keller. And Dustin Keller was more of a, a detached Y guy. He wasn't a blocking tight end. He served a purpose. He was a mismatch in certain areas. But Ray Lewis changed his life going across the middle in that Monday, uh, I believe that Monday night game uh, long ago when I was in college and he was never the same player. This is a guy that's not going to get depleted going across the middle. This is a guy that's got a lot of range. I see him as, you know, like light. I think if you could compare him to uh, any type of tight end in the league right now, I think he's one uh, potentially one head above Kyle Rudolph, who I think is a very solid tight end. And so we get a guy that can come into the fold right away, will help in blocking, will help in the red zone, will actually be a tight end that we can rely on. And what's better than a rookie than a tight end to help him out in those tough situations? You help out a rookie quarterback under the belief with a running game and with a good tight end. There you go. I think that's what you're, you're addressing right away. So we get Wilson. We go get an offensive tackle to go opposite Becton, and we sure up a very solid contributor in Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State, the Penn State. So I already told you that's who the Patriots were eyeing in the second round. I didn't think he'd get to us, but that's who we were eyeing. So kind of took the pick. You gave me the heads up about it, so I'm prepared. But uh, I think that's someone that the Patriots wouldn't want to be targeting too. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if uh, Fairmouth didn't go higher. I, I think he's probably one of the – you know, top offensive weapons in this draft class. I know everyone's high on receiver. They're always high on freaking receivers. Last year was no different. Um, but right now, I mean, even on this mock, there's like eight receivers going to go in the top 40, which I don't the see only, happening. But the only team I'm a little nervous about them, uh, him being taken by, would be the Jags, just the pick before, because they, they need a tight end. Um, so they could address it through the draft. Perhaps they do it through free agency. I don't know. They could really do anything. And I don't know what Urban's even thinking. That's the thing. I mean, they could they could start fresh. They can go running back there. I, I think ETN's a possibility there as well. But I already talked to you guys about it. I don't know how they view James Robinson. I know he was great last year. But it's a new regime coming in. So it could really go a million ways. Uh, Pat, two picks later, 36. You're on the clock. Well, when you look at the starting defense last year, the position that graded out the most poor 
Payton resign, and then Roberts, he's an unrestricted free agent, and Jerome Baker is in a contract here. We create a little competition at that position, and it just so happens that the Nagurski winner, Betnarik award winner, and Lombardi award winner happen to have fallen to us at 36, and that's Zaven Collins, junior linebacker out of Tulsa, another physical specimen, 6'4", 260. We're adding a lot of mass to that defense now with this pick. Uh, very high character kid. What stands out to me on tape is his suddenness. From the time where he diagnoses the play to the time that the ball carrier is securely tackled in the backfield for a TFL, you better not blink because it's right now. This guy can trigger and go. He's violent. He's explosive. Superb football IQ. Really good blitzer. Uh, as I said, he diagnoses really well and is super sudden in his movements. I don't know if he gets out of the first round. I don't think too many teams are keen on taking inside linebackers in today's day and age in the first round, though. So I think he may be able to slip uh, tremendous football player. You know, he's going to be an every down inside backer for Miami for years to come uh, if that pick were to come true. So I love the Zayvon Collins pick just in general. I'm a fan of his and I have been. Also, he played behind a three man front at Tulsa. So he sort of understands those reads already. And I think uh, he'll fit in like a glove in Miami. So in the mock that I'm following here, they do have him going in the first round, but the team doesn't really make any sense. Uh, I know he's an inside backer. They haven't gone into the Bucks. I was thinking maybe because they're not bringing back Levante David, but I, I don't know if that really adds up to me. That that fit doesn't make too much sense. But that's 32. So I mean, you're four picks away. So even on this, they have him really close to where you're targeting him. So there's a really good chance that he does get taken there. Yeah, and you never know. They might make a move to get jump into the first round to do it. I mean, that's the thing with the Jets and the Dolphins. They have the assets to be able to. If they like a guy, they can go get him. Yeah. It's crazy how many picks you guys have already. I mean, those are three picks in the top 36. And so that's, I mean, and for the Dolphins too, and I know the Jets are more rebuilding than anything, um, but the Dolphins, you know, they were competing last year. I mean, the Dolphins' defense were, were able to piece together. I mean, Brian Flores, obviously, large in part of, uh, you know, the reason why. But I think uh, under him, he's going to get guys that kind of fit the scheme. I think I think Collins makes a lot of sense. I think he'd have a shit ton of fun with that for sure. Um, so I think that makes sense, especially, you know, just from a Giants perspective, our strength is defense. I've said it all year. Build on a strength. I, I think if the Dolphins were smart, why not build on the strength? And, again, you address your offense – with the first round. So um, yeah, that adds up to me. Now the Patriots on the, are on the clock here at 46. Um, there's a few ways they can go about this. Uh, I don't think Wyatt Davis, he's on my screen right now, um, will be available here. I, I can't imagine he will be. If he is and I'm the Patriots, I'm definitely taking him because I do think large in part, they got away from the running game last year. But for that reason, I'm going to stick to what I said initially. And similar to what Connor said, um, I think, I don't know if Bill would actually do this, but just for uh, food for thought, the leading rusher on the Patriots last year, 690 yards, Damian Harris, he only played 10 games. Right behind him as a running back would be Sony Michel, who played nine games, 449 yards. Really, best abilities, availability. None of these guys can play 16 games, except for Cam Newton, who played 15, and he was their second leading rusher at 590 yards. He won't be there next year. So really, aside from Cam, their running game was in existence. Um, I don't know if he'd really pair up Mac Jones with Najee Harris, but with this pick, I'm going to take Najee Harris to the Patriots. I think the Patriots need running back help. I don't know if it's going to be through the draft. But I think Najee is one of the most talented guys 
um, at least offensively in this draft class. Um, and, you know, midway through the second here, I think this makes a lot of sense to take a running back at his caliber. Um, and he'd be the first running back taken in the second round. So I, I think it's hard to find a fall in Najee Harris, but I just don't know if the Patriots, Patriots are going to actually do it. They do need running back help, though, especially because Cam won't be there next year. Yeah, I mean, I like it. You know, I, I like – I mean, who? it'd be hard, just like you said, for anybody to not like Najee Harris, especially with after the year he had and just what he's accomplished. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't think the Patriots will do that. They tend to do – outside the box things. I know Belly could attest to that, you know, with when we talked about Belichick and just his ability to kind of make head scratching picks every now and again. But um, I mean, you get Mac Jones, you get Harris. That's quite a foundation to start. Yeah. the chemistry. If you want, if you want to make your offense better. I mean, yeah, yeah no, I agree. Bill, Bill I, I, I love that point. I don't think it gets talked about enough. The, the the head scratching picks by the Patriots over the years um, and how they were just masked, masked over with um, the fact that they had uh, the greatest quarterback probably of all time uh, on their team. Now they don't have that quarterback and uh, everything's coming home to roost. So, so we'll see how it works out over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, so for me, it's like picking as a Patriots. It's funny, even with the first round pick, I think everyone – no one can see Mac Jones falling past 15. It's because the Patriots are there. But even then, it's like, like as, as bland as it is that everyone can predict it, it makes me think Bill Belichick is not going to go with Mac Jones. Like, I feel like he might wait and take one of these other guys, Mond, Trask, whether it's in the third, the, the I don't know. He might wait on a guy. He might take him in the second. Like, he might just reverse psychology this whole thing and just take someone to bolster a need that we're not even seeing because it's very – like all their needs on this says quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. I don't see them taking a wide receiver that early. I just don't. That there's no, uh, there's no secondary players from Rutgers, so you can't. <laughs> yeah, no McCordy's. There's no more McCordy's coming out either. So you know, unfortunately for them. But we now have the Dolphins on the clock again <laughs> at pick number fifty. Belly, uh, first day on the job as GM. You're, you're busy. You're, you're getting real busy over there. I'm pleased with how it's gone so far. I actually had two guys in the chamber here just in case one got stolen out from under me. They both play the same position. That's nose tackle. Uh, I was going to take Jay Tufele from USC, but I'm going to be a little bit bold here and and say that this guy will slip. Uh, Christian Barmore from Alabama, 6'5", 3'11". Um, a couple high-level ranking sites have him right in this 50 to 55 range. I know some mocks have him going way earlier than that. Uh, if he's available, that that's the direction I'm going in. This guy is just a mountain of a man. Uh, nose tackle, very thin. Uh, Devon Gottschall is an unrestricted free agent. I don't think the Dolphins nothing there of any substance of guys that have played meaningful snaps. Uh, Zach Seiler, Benito, uh, Benito Jones, don't know who that is. He's in a contract year. Uh, we're struggling at the nose tackle position. So I want to keep those linebackers that I drafted clean. And we're going to take Christian Barmer. This guy dominated as a sophomore in the national championship. He was all over the field, uh, extremely long, agile, a little raw in terms of his double team technique, just because of how tall he is. He kind of gets high at times, doesn't play with great pad level, but he's got a relentless motor, tremendous pursuit, great get off. Uh, his hand strength is elite. He's an underrated pass rusher just a dominant force in the run game. If single block, he's impossible to reach. He'll keep fighting. 
has a really good sense of the game. I think uh, just his violence and his elite level of competition that he played with in college will serve him well in the NFL. I think he'll be a fast learner and a superstar. My gut kind of tells me he ain't going to be there. We'll take Jay Tufele in that case. But if he is, I want Christian Barmore from Alabama. So they had him to the Raiders in the first round, right, before your uh, first pick, actually. So this mock has him high. Um, but Tufele is obviously available. He's someone that they have rated deeper. But I had seen Barmore kind of all over the board. I mean, some people view him as a first-round pick. He could teeter in the second. He, that, that would be late. That might be something that you guys might have to look at the Dolphins at 36, if he's still there, if anything, because for her, for him to fall all the way down to 50 might be a climb. I think the value. Uh, I, I, I don't see him dropping the 50. I would, I mean, if the, you know, when I was thinking originally, like early on about a month ago, I was almost thinking that maybe the jets take him at 23, you know, because they could give him and pair him up with Quinn and Hey, and they're going to a four, three, that'd be, I think quite the combo, uh, you know, pair two Bama guys together there. Now, does that address edge rushing? No, but uh, I think it would be quite dynamic if that could happen. But, uh, yeah, Barmore is a heck of a player, no doubt about it. So one more thing just to to finish this up. Uh, Raekwon Davis, who the Dolphins gambled on last year and sort of hit on, he graded out really highly as the season went on. He's 6'7". They kicked him down to nose when um, Godshaw got hurt. They had no one else in the depth chart. He had to play nose for four games last year. I think you can get Raekwon Davis back to his natural position and more of a five technique. Christian Wilkins is another beefy guy. So imagine that front, Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, and Barrymore. Uh, that's that's a lot of beef. But, you know, if we have to go with the smaller guy, Tufele, he's he's an excellent player too. He plays a little bit lower, a little more of a traditional nose. Uh, but Bar- Campy loves those three in a 4-3 for sure. But he's too talented to pass on if he, if he falls to 50. Coach's corner. Coach's yep. corner last year. That was my guy, Raekwon. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm here for you. Uh, I'm, here. I'm here for all of that. Um, the Bills are now on the clock. Pick 61. Uh, you, you you took the first running back in the draft in the first round. How are you going to follow in the second? No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. So the, the, uh, the, the second round pick for me is, is less about the position itself and more about asset management and and taking care of our most prized ass in 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 Josh Allen he is headed into uh I mean he's he's going to get extended uh he's going to be looking at a pretty hefty payday especially with what we saw uh Dak Prescott get I think this morning um Josh Allen is going to get paid and he should um he's 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 his growth has been absolutely incredible we want to make sure that that we protect him and keep him healthy and keep him here um so some other nfl news today is is actually motivating my thought process on this so mitch morse uh bill's bill's starting center took a pay cut to stay with with the bills which is which is great news when when he's on the field he's he's been incredible but you know the, i i i'm not a doctor um, but the, the recurring, uh, concussions that we've seen with him would, would have me concerned about, you know, not, not just his ability to stay on the field, but if, if, if he gets another concussion, I think he's, he's going to have to have a serious conversation, um, with the front office and his family about whether or not he can keep playing. Cause, um, 
long long term, these things can 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 really really screw you up. We would not want to see that. Um, I I think the Bills will be able to keep John Feliciano around. Um, uh, ho- hopefully, get him on a deal that is favorable to the team. But um, he he's a very good uh, guard bills over the past few years and i think he he can stay there but mitch morse's injury concerns have have me looking at offensive line and they have have me looking at someone that you know i'm not totally sure he's going to be there at this pick but if he is they should jump out of immediately and that is uh landon dickerson uh from from alabama uh you know he 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 comes from an incredible program he would i think be a much higher pick uh but i think some teams scared off by the injury that he suffered at the end of last season, but he's coming from an incredible program. He, he's, he's a guy that's always going to go and find work. Um, and he doesn't have to come in and start immediately. Um, I think he's, he's someone that could come and, and, and back up for, for a little while and serve as sort of an insurance policy if something does happen uh, uh, to the starting center. But my, my, my favorite thing about this, 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 guy is and and i think this is uh going to play well in a brandon bean sean mcdermott run organization is he he's a great guy in the locker room he he's 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 a fantastic teammate and he's a nasty player he he's uh he's he's going to take care of business no matter where he goes but i look forward to to seeing him take care of business in a bill's uniform this year so i love that pick yeah, so actually, we're now doing a Giants mock draft, and this would be high to take him, but I want the Giants to, to take him in the second round. Uh, the Giants have an issue where they have a guard playing center. We don't really – we're indifferent at the center position. I think it's time for us to solidify it, get a true center, get someone young in there, and just kind of bolster the offensive line by moving certain guys back to their natural positions. I love Dickerson, and he's nasty. And I actually want them to go back-to-back linemen. This might be a little plot twist – um, and spoiler to, you know, when, whenever I do the NFC East, but him and Ben Cleveland are just dogs. I love Ben Cleveland too. Like there are certain offensive linemen in this draft class. I put on the tape and they're just guys I like want to be around. <laughs> like they just look like fun people to play football with. So uh, yeah, Dick Dickerson is someone that I have been targeting. I view him as probably one of the better center uh, prospects in this draft. So uh, the giants have a need at it. No one really looks at the giants as, you know, needing a center, but you know, if he's there, that's a steal for any team if he gets past the Giants. And um, in this, they do have him going to the Chargers. I guess Pou- Pouncey retired, right? Did both Pouncey brothers retire? So I guess they may be they may be in the business for that as well. But, uh, I mean, that would be a steal. At 61, that would be an absolute steal. The Jets are back on the clock, Ampy. You're working the phones too. The fact – if the Dolphins or the Jets don't trade anybody or any of these picks, I would be – surprised but uh you're working you're working right now pick 66 hey i mean they i mean if everything works out and the jets trade darnold they're only going to get more picks so that could be this draft or next so you never know and when you got four first rounders between this year and next year you're setting yourself up so there's a theme that's been being built through my picks and that is with that frame of mind in the sense of this year we have you know, these five picks in the first three rounds. Press the offense and get the offense right. And about the defense and getting impact guys next year. I want to get this quarterback, this rookie quarterback, 
everything he needs to be successful, all right, and get him some young weapons to be able to grow and build around in this new system. So I'm not sure who's going to be available in terms of which one, but uh, we're going to address the running back position here. And it's going to be a UNC running back, whether that's Javante Williams or Michael Carter, one or the other. I don't care. Personally, I actually like Michael Carter a bit more. I think he's a bit more explosiveness to him. He's 5'9", 200. Uh, I love his ability to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield as well. I think he's a little bit of just everything you need in the modern-day NFL in terms of your running back. You bring him in, you saw some flashes from Ty Johnson and LaMichael Pirine when old man Gore wasn't, you know, taking all the shine from Gase last year. So you add that that player, that dynamic player uh, into that backfield. I think you add depth there. We all know that LaFleur comes from the Shanahan tree. You look at the Niners team's from the past couple of years, they haven't had just one, you know, main horse in the backfield. It's been Mostert, Breida, uh, uh, McKinnon, all those different guys. Well, you need the same type of dynamic with the Jets. Uh, and I don't think that, and we're all in the top three uh, rounds, I really don't think that he's going to be the only running back they pick. I think they'll pick another later on in the, in the uh, day three uh, rounds. But Michael Carter, UNC, uh, very excited about the opportunity for him to be in the backfield. So um, you might have the pick of the litter there, Campy. So on this uh, on this mock, they have Williams going to the Saints at 60. Another pick I don't really see. Obviously, they have Kamara. I think Murray will still be there. Then you have Taysom Hill. So what do they need? why do they need any more running backs? Uh, but that's at 60. You guys pick at 66. So you may have the pick of the litter if that actually works your way. Uh, but you know, if you like Carter better, you like Carter better. I, for one, kind of like Williams's game, but uh, that's a conversation for another day. The Patriots were technically now. Now, don't worry, Pat. You will pick again. You're you're just done robbing the Texans of all their assets, uh, so you don't pick right away after Campy. The Patriots forfeited their pick, their first pick in the second round, but now the Dolphins are on the clock, though a little further away, but it's at 81, where they should be, where they should be. Nice. So uh, you go through this this roster and this depth chart offensively. Um, going with Pitts, to me, took pressure off the receiving core, like I said. We're going to play a lot of 12 personnel with him and Gasicki. All of a sudden now I have Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Alan Hearns, uh, three guys for two uh, as far as that outside receiver position. Uh, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, you know, even Lynn Bowden is sort of an interesting gadget guy with the ball in his hands. I think that's enough there in the slot that we don't have to really chase receiver right now. Uh, you know, there are some talented guys in this draft, but it's not to me of need as much as running back is, uh, you know, Gaskin to me, serviceable, not explosive or talented enough to be a starting running back in the NFL. Uh, I, I think, you know, we're going to run a lot of zone read this year. I'd like to have two, I have a back, uh, that's more explosive and can hit home runs. Uh, Salvin Ahmed flashed at times last year. He's in a contract year, so a little competition possibly for teammate Gaskin. Brita and Washington are unrestricted free agents. They're probably both gone. We need to build depth at this position. I think Jamar Jefferson, the junior running back from Oregon State, is, uh, is, is the best running back on the board at this stage of the game. He's 5'9", 
217, very, very tough kid. You know, he sort of helped change the culture at Oregon State. They're a winning program now. They ran a pro-style offense, but also a lot of zone concepts as well. So I think he's going to be uh, IQ-wise ready to learn NFL scheme very quickly. Uh, a three-down back, like I said before, he's a home run hitter. His contact balance is probably my favorite attribute. He is not only is he not going down on initial contact, he's not even uh, you know stumbling. He's accelerating through that initial contact, which I love to see. Supremely well-rounded football player. He has the whole bag of tricks, stiff arm spin, you know, juke, high step. He, he really has all the moves, total package. Like I said, a culture changer type player. I, I think the Dolphins need a bit of a home run hitter at the running back position, take a little more pressure off Tua. And uh, that offensive line is underrated. You know, we got two fir- two rookie tackles from last year that were both in the first round. So I'm not chasing a tackle either. I'm going to let that develop. Eric Flowers is killing people at guard. Uh, Hunt and Kinley, two rookie guards from last year, both showed a lot of promise. Uh, Ted Karras, I think we're going to re-sign uh, if they haven't already. I don't see any offensive line issues right now. You know, I could address that next season. I'm going to let that breathe. Give me a running back that could slam it up in there. I really like Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Wilson. I liked him out of the draft last year, too. That was a guy I wanted either the Jets or the Giants to get in the second round. You saying Eric Flowers just immediately makes me laugh. I mean, the fact that he's doing well is great. Um, the Giants had him playing at tackle forever. Never switched him to guard. And it's like, oh, he's playing great at guard. It's like, who would have thought? Oh, no one knew to just move him and give him a chance. But um, just wanted to know before, Camby, you jump in, just two key running backs that I think um, – you know, are noteworthy Chubba Hubbard and Trey Sermon. Some people are higher on them than most. Um, they were still available. So you seem pretty high on Jefferson. Yeah. Well, I don't think that direction, uh, knowing that a, a player I'm very high on. Uh, Hubbard had a disappointing season. I'm kind of not touching that uh, personally, but Jamar Jefferson kind of an underrated kid. He may profile a little bit more as a fourth rounder, but I kind of wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, on the, yeah, I, I honestly guys. don't think Trey Sermon is going to be where the the Jets will be able to take him at 66. Otherwise, I would have actually taken him uh, there. I just I just don't see I off the board. Yeah, no. Well, it's just, again, we're, we're following along. So this way we have the plethora of uh, the field in front of us. But, yeah, just some noteworthy names that they still had available. But I do like the shout-outs. I appreciate the shout-outs. They're always welcome. I'll tag all these people in the episode when uh, when it comes out. The Jets, though, from Seattle now, are back on the clock. Me and Connor are waiting patiently to finish this draft off, but can't be, this will be your last pick. And then we get to uh, finish off our picks here at 93 and 96. So, like I said uh, before, this is the theme for this year for the 2021 draft It is offense for the jets. The first three, uh, first three rounds. That is what we are addressing. We've done. Now we're going to get a wide receiver here, a guy that may not be, someone that we want or, or need uh, need to be, you know, we want a six foot five guy that could be a number one receiver. Well, we're going to get a new toy, uh, a human joystick of sorts. We're going to get Jalon Darden from North Texas, 5'9", 175. He's a water bug. You know, he's tough to take down in open space. This is a guy that could give us mismatches in the slot a guy that can get open, and also a guy that can help out in the return game, which is an underrated uh, facet of football, especially at the pro level. So um, I see him as someone that can jump in right away and help out at special teams. We have Jameson Crowder, sure, as the slot guy right now, but no reason you can't go four wide and help out uh, and get another guy in the slot. 
a guy that could be in for those those uh you know in the, the screen game obviously any type of gimmicky type plays the end arounds uh i think i could see him having some type of impact you know it's a, it's another toy for la florida help to you know provide depth at the wide receiver position sure we don't have a number one receiver but that could be addressed in free agency perhaps with Allen robinson since we do have the money to do so maybe not but either way you get uh, Darden to come in with a, a wide receiver room that has Denzel Mims, a promising uh, first-year, now second-year receiver. Jameson Crowder, our best receiver overall. You add Pat Fryermuth, you're starting to set yourself up for some success. I like it. Darden's very slept on in this draft. Very, very slept on. Someone who's not low tightly. Um on mainly because again, I, I mean, this happens every draft. It's a common theme. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for it to die out. Uh, but every year you just have a ridiculous amount. I mean, a double digit amount of receivers taken like in the top 50 and it's just always the same. I mean, last year I get it. Um, you know, they were talented guys, but still there's value later uh, at the wide receiver position. At least I always see it that way. I think it's a value pick. I think that, right. He, he's from a small you know, small school, not a, not a major football conference. So that, and, and his size, you know, I, I see him as a, a Taylor Gabriel type player. Sure. Maybe not a name that you want to necessarily knock your doors off, but it's a guy that can provide depth and can certainly add a flavor to the offense that we need. Yep. All right, Connor, last pick bills on the clock at 93. Bills on the clock. At 93 um i so this is going to be another situation where i am i am hopeful that this player is still around but i'm not i'm not totally sure so i talked about earlier the need uh to to compete with the kansas city chiefs um that that is the one team that is in my sights as the final hurdle to get over to 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 get to a super bowl and 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 then hopefully win it um so Levi, sorry, not, not Levi Wallace, uh, 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 Tredavious White um, is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, he's, he, he has been, he has become a, a fantastic part of this community. He is signed. He is not going anywhere. Um, uh, and, and hopefully he, he can help with the Sabres uh, with his Trey White goal yeah. academy. That's, that's what I'm most concerned with him. Right. He is mo in, in most cases he is going to shut down um, the top receiver for for any team that that the Bills are playing against. Which means that that quarterbacks are going to be looking to that number two option, and they're going to be picking on that number two quarterback quite a bit. Um, Levi Wallace filled that role for for, for most of last year. Um, he is a restricted free agent. Uh, 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 this year, I think he is going to end up uh, being. Uh, I I think he's going to go to a different team. I don't think the Bills are going to match that offer. I think he's 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 going to be successful elsewhere. Um, but 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 that's going to leave a hole um, where you know where 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 he currently is. So so who I'm going to go with here at, with 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 this pick is is Eric Stokes. 
uh, cornerback from Georgia. Now he's he's this is not someone who I think is 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 top level talent, um, but but I think he's going to be uh, uh, he. He's he's not going to blow you away with his speed. He's not going to blow you away with his talent. But uh, when he was at Georgia, you know, he 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 got the job done. Cornerback, I think, is one of those uh, one of one of those those positions in the NFL, uh, similar to defensive line, where you can bring someone in, and and it's just plug and play. Go, you know, defensive line, go get the quarterback. Go go stop the run. Uh, cornerback, you know, stay 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 with, stay with your guy. Uh, go, go, see ball, get ball. Um, this is another situation where where I think he can come in and be successful. He's coming from a great program at, at, at Georgia. You know, we're not. This is not a cornerback we're we're bringing in from from some lower level conference who didn't play against good competition from West Valley Community College. You know, this guy played against receivers from Alabama, from Georgia, from 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 Auburn. He's seen top level talent already. So it's not going to be that much of an adjustment uh, uh, going to the NFL. So, so with with this pick, I'm going to go Eric Stokes from Georgia. One of the most noteworthy things too, he ran allegedly, quote unquote. We don't have a combine, but four two eight forty recently. Yeah, blazing blazing forty speed. Uh, again, I'm not. We talked about this last year when we did all our combine stuff, um, and I'm not high on rugs and the receivers when they run their forty times. I think corner maybe a transit. Translates a little bit better. Um, nice recovery speed, but still something to note. Four two eight is uh pretty fast. For moving fast. <laughs> faster than me. I, I mean, reading reading this guy's profile, he he seems like bipolar opposite. Quick feet, good hip movement. Uh, yeah, and none none of none of these skills are skills that I exhibit. But but definitely something you want to see and a cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, Eric Stokes is another guy that, you know, I think to start this, he was projected lower. The 40 speed came out. I think he's going to climb naturally because of that. Um, again, it was official, not official. Uh, so I don't know, you know, if teams are going to take that with a grain of salt or not. I think every GM is going to be different this year. Uh, I mean, what, but, if, it's not, if it's not officially, what, you round up about 0.2? Yeah. Something like that. So, okay, still ran a 4.3. I mean, still moving. Yeah. Again, and mind you too, the guy I was listening to most recently was Dave Gettleman talking about this and he was the one worried. So I think maybe everyone else is thinking the opposite of Dave Gettleman as you know, normally they are. Um, If he's there at that point though, that's another steal. I think that's definitely a steal for the bills and I'll just uh, finish this off. uh, Especially because I wanted, I already gave him a brief shout out, but at 96, especially because they just announced today that they're not going to franchise Joe Tooney at guard, the Patriots. I mean, Again, Ben Cleveland, let's just start with his beard. I'm a big fan of his beard. Um, and, you know, for, for all the things that you could really knock him on, a little, you know, he lacks lateral movement. He's not great with his hands, so on and so forth. He's 6'6", 360, uh, you know, on a really good day, definitely with pads on. That's, I mean, that's big guy, big guy. I mean, I think on the first thing on his scouting report here, yeah, I wanted to pull it up. His strength, his very first strength, massive human with well-distributed mass. So that's really all I needed to see. And I was like, yeah, Ben Cleveland, another bulldog, uh, come from Georgia. Just a guy's guy. I, I think um, I, I just like his play style. Um, those are the type of guards I like. Someone who would try to bury you and hit you after the play a little bit, especially uh, coming from a linebacker who uh, knows those guys who are looking uh, at the second level. And uh, Cleveland's definitely that. Um, but I think it makes sense. I think the Patriots will definitely be in the market for an offensive lineman in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if they address it 
earlier because I think it's something they've got away from uh, as of late. The Patriots could really go a lot of ways with this. Uh, they are definitely not the Patriots of the past. I mean, they have more holes than uh, definitely meets the eye. I, I think glaring ones too at some important positions. They really don't have weapons. Offensively, they really don't have any weapons. I mean, you take a guy like Cleveland, you'd, I mean, Michael Anowu, uh last year, that rookie who he brilliantly as a, as a not a very highly touted, you know, offensive lineman, had a guy like Cleveland. And I mean, yeah, you lose Tooney, but they still got a, a, their offensive line isn't really the problem. It's, it's the, 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 uh, the, the playmakers. Their offensive line was borderline elite at times last year. Uh, especially in the run game, one of the highest week after week graded offensive lines in football. Mike Unwanu was a big part of that, a six-round pick from Michigan, really panned out, had him playing tackle. He, he did it all. Uh, so I, I would say Belichick needs to throw out his scouting reports on all skill position and defensive players and just draft O-lineman because he's the O-line whisperer. And I'm talking in drafts. He's drafting seventh-round linemen that are like starting and studs. I, I don't know how he does that. Uh, maybe he can amend some of his other uh, positional evaluation uh, processes. But, yeah, you know, the Patriots have holes because they've drafted poorly. If you just go through their last five to six drafts, the skill guys stink, bottom yeah. line. And without TB12, it's, you know, it's coming to light, like Connor said earlier. They, legitimately, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a number one receiver. They really don't have a steady run game. It's not the offensive lines issue. And what was crazy when I looked at it, I mean, they didn't have a thousand yard rusher, nowhere even really close. And I think their rushing offense still, you know, finished out, you know, one of the tops in the league. And that's definitely a tip to the offensive line. Uh, but still, I mean, they got to get better pretty much everywhere. I think a receiver I was looking at for them at this point, if uh, I didn't go offensive line, was a guy that I think people are sleeping on in Nico Collins. He's out of Michigan as well. I think he's a big body guy uh, who could really, you know, make a play and be that X for them, um, especially yeah, especially a, if they take someone at that point of the draft. I think he's that's a guy that I hope kind of slips um, to the Jets, possibly in the fourth round, you know, between him and, I mean, I, I think we, we uh, Patton has at least brought up, but him and Seth Williams, I, I really like. Uh, right. Seth Williams from Auburn. I would love for them to be able to double dip the Jets and, and maybe take two later receivers. But I think uh, you get a guy like Darden, and then you go and you get Nico Nico Collins or Seth Williams, and you're in some pretty good shape. You change you change the dynamic. Williams Williams was a guy I drafted in my mock, my first mock that I sent you guys, and I obviously switched it up, and I'm not on the Jets, but I, lo I love Seth Williams. I think the kid's got great hands, um, and I watch a lot of Auburn. I watch, a lot, I watch probably more SEC football than anything usually, so um, I got to see a lot of his stuff. Also, in regards to the Bills, I think someone that people aren't talking about, if, uh, you know, if certain people are gone at that point in time, I love uh, Brown. What's the quarterback's name? Why, why can't I remember? It's not D Brown. Is it D Brown? D Brown at Oklahoma? Why can't I remember his name? The corner at Oklahoma. Dude's so fast. What's his name? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We'll get it. I know Stokes, Stokes, Stokes. It'll come to me. Check in the old Google machine. Here we go. Here we go. He's got he's got to be somewhere. Oh, Trey Brown. Trey Brown. Not D Brown. Who what's D Brown? I feel like he's like a baseball player. Well, D, D well, Deontay Brown is the guard for Alabama who I like, but D Brown played uh, for Illinois basketball when they were 30 and 0 the one year. 
He was their point guard. He was sick. Oh my god! Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, D Brown was a basketball. Trey Brown. Yeah, Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. I like him a lot. That's another guy I like. Um, at least for the Bills or the Jets. Jets need some defensive help as well. But uh, I think we touched oh, on everything. <laughs> I, I think we touched on all the team needs. I think we talked about some players um, that I think maybe people haven't heard of, which I think is nice. It's a nice addition, a reason for them to stick around and definitely listen to this. Um, but really, at the end of the day, I mean, this is the Bills division now, guys, right? <laughs> yeah, it's right. the Bills world. Everyone's just living in it. You got Josh Allen. You got the keys to the car. Basically, you got to catch up to that. I can't believe it's real. <laughs> Crazy world we live in. You said you're matching up with the Chiefs. I mean, that's something, right? You're like, yeah, the AFC East is secondary. The Chiefs, I love it. I mean, that's he's a not, good mindset. Though. He's not but, wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's going to be, though. I mean, the Chiefs are probably going to just be that the, that team in the AFC kind of replacing the Pats or, you know, the teams of the old. that They're just going to be there every year, top two probably. You know what I mean? And you just have to have a team that's going to be built to beat them when you see them. And you, and you know it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be smooth sailing for anybody in the AFC after they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. So I, I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit of a revenge tour for the Chiefs. It might be uh, a little tougher than usual. Who knows? They'll only lose one game this year in the regular season. <laughs> Even though they did, they lost two, but it was I mean, that was like week seventeen. It was one. Yeah, it, it did. That didn't even count. Um, all right, guys, this was awesome. Connor, thanks for coming on. Pat, Bill, I see you guys all the time. Uh, I will definitely see you again um, very soon, probably next week, I'd imagine. <laughs> thanks for having us, bro. Yeah, thank you all for this. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Those interviews were brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. All right, a big shout-out to all of those guys for coming on today. Connor Flynn, Pat Martino, Bill Campion, of course, the Mage. Really great stuff. Uh, talked about everything Giants and Jets. Pretty much covered everything we could talk about. But there is a lot of news still to get to in the coming weeks. Obviously, the franchise tag was crazy. Free agency starts in a week. So we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about in the distant future. The draft is nearing a month and a half away. Probably two months more than anything. But we'll have more mock drafts coming. Definitely an NFC East mock draft. And tons and tons of offseason moves to talk about but be sure to go follow us on all podcast platforms download rate subscribe do it all like on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher spotify and the believe website be sure to follow us on twitter at ny football pod as well as myself at tina rodriguez and be safe guys i love you talk to you next week
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.